Welcome, I'm John Lynch and I'm the host of The Discarded Compass, the podcast for the seasoned seeker. If this resonates, please subscribe to us for future episodes. So without further ado, sit back, relax and join me and my guest as we deep dive into the mystery of spiritual enlightenment. Welcome everybody to The Discarded Compass. I'm John Lynch and I'm here with a great guest. It's Jack O'Keefe and Jack is a spiritual leader with a unique style and her teachings include pointers to prior to the non-dual state and she also teaches how to cultivate wisdom, honesty and integrity and she supports the evolution of spiritual leaders and our teeth and methods to include accountability and kindness and how to speak English properly and make it <laughs> relevant and applicable to regular life. And you know what? And we were just talking before we started off there. She started uh, an association for spiritual integrity. It's called ASI. And it's an organization that encourages the importance of strong ethical principles in the ongoing growth of spiritual communities and their leaders. And I'll have to mention where that is, spiritualintegrity.org. And I have to mention her books, which I have both of, Born to be Free and How to Be a Spiritual Rebel, which I, I have to talk about. And if you want to see more and hear more of Jack, jackokeefe.com and on YouTube and Facebook, Prior Beyond. Jack O'Keefe, enough of me. How are you? I'm doing well, John. It's great to see you. Yeah, it's good too. We met a long time ago in Ireland and uh, it's really nice that you came around again. You know, it's like, oh my God, John Lynch. I remember us sharing a bag of chips in your van. Yeah, the chips. Do you remember that? God, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, smoothie, I'm a smoothie, aren't I? Like, <laughs> Pardon? I'm a smoothie, aren't I? Yeah. <laughs> Somehow we got to talking or something and... and as some kind of maybe uh, a private session or an extra meeting after. No, Saturday. it was it was a private session. All jokes aside, it was, was it, a yeah. private session, and we, we were starving, and we we had coffee, and we met in Mallow, just yes. a stone throw away. And I was yes. going through like I met you in Galway. I think yeah. you were the second teacher that I met, but when I met you, the construct just I I remember I just started laughing like you know the laughter thing, and mm. for years I let the mind run the show. And of course, it's probably been talked about before, but I have to really, really say a mind that runs the show, it's historic. You think what you've always thought, you get what you've always gotten because you're thinking what you've always thought and people get stuck in a loop. What I'm saying is I'm grateful, Jack, that I met you. And thanks so much because I'm a lot better for it. (laughs) And life is exhilarating for me. And I've gotten through my tries as well, but it's been fantastic since the 10 years, you know. And it's it's lovely to kind of compare you know or to share where we're at now because every spiritual teacher or leader is on their own evolutionary path also so it's lovely to 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 share and to see how your perspective has shifted and mine has too you know on life and the role I play now is different you know so much has changed for you Jack and like you know you must have uh, you must have seen lots of things that you weren't happy with in the spiritual arena but what can we do? This is all new to us, you know, the Eastern teachings reaching the West. What can we do about it? I mean, tell us about the ASI and your thoughts about what we can do to to save this from being ruined, like, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's interesting that you're saying the mind is, is historical and how we have landed at the role of spiritual teacher is historical too. And it's it's not appropriate really for our time. And if you look at like so many, this unprecedented times, not only uh, the first global pl- pandemic in this, 
you know, in this kind of post-industrial area that like all across the world, race, country, we are all, we've all been brought to a, a unified experience, which is a gem in itself. However, it's just another layer of the transformation and the shifts in our culture, in our thinking, even going to digital currency from, from individual currencies, even Brexit, looking at racial, social injustice, gender issues, everything is being asked to change. I'm hearing that call also for a few years now around how spiritual teaching is currently presented, is historical and is not appropriate for spirituality in the future if it's going to continue. If we look at it, you know, from, from the historical lens, we've been hugely influenced in the West by Indian, Hindu usually, from like, okay, the Buddhist mindfulness right down to, to us advocating, you know, be the observer, drop back into the I am, go into beingness, knowingness, and self-realization in there, recognizing your true nature. And that's that non-dual layer. And then there's deeper than that, which my once colleagues that when, when I was a non-dual teacher, where we had the same platform, it broke open for me. And there is much deeper than the non-dual. And so with that, like, down and dirty, quick path of what awakening is about. Within that context, we've just grabbed it from India, mostly, Tibet, all that Asian, A Asian countries, that culture. And we've tried to plop it in to our culture. And the thing is, culturally, it doesn't, it doesn't fit. But more significantly, the times we live in make it not appropriate in India as well as here. And so this organization that a few of us have pulled together three years ago, four years ago, when the idea first, almost four years ago when the idea first arose, we are finding that we have spiritual leaders across the globe who are saying, there is a culture here of avoidance, of where the teacher isn't supported, where we don't know how to use our power properly, where I feel lonely, there is nobody I can talk to. I don't know how to be in the world. So it's safe for me to be in an ashram, in a monastery, to live this hermit life, because that's what the saints do. That's what holy people do. That's not appropriate. It's like, how do we find out how to engage in life? Even if we look at traditional methods of teaching, a lot of them actually didn't have any compassion at all didn't have any compassion at all that that aspect of where the teacher might have been traumatized in their own rearing got projected onto their students. So many spiritual leaders, unbeknown to themselves, are re-traumatizing their students. And it's because in their humanness, they haven't unpacked and done enough psychological work, which is ongoing. To, to look at your own psychology, to look at your own patterns, because what you don't integrate and make whole in your personality is going to get projected out there because it needs an outlet somewhere. And couple that then with the teacher is infallible. The teacher cannot be questioned. It's always your ego. It's never the teacher is at fault. If you look at these cultural things that we're trained when we're seeking, we're trained that this is how you see the teacher. Of course, it's rife for abuse. Of course, it protects the teacher's own stuff. Of course, the teacher has stuff. 
Of course. And so what we did was a group of us got together and decided, let's see if we could pull an agreed code of ethics and good behavior. What would support us to do our job better? What would protect the student and protect us from unresolved stuff that can be in either person's personality? And so we came up with a code of ethics and good practice, a set of principles that we we brought them through um, many different influences, traditions, lineages, religions to see, does this have a universal currency? And as a result, the our code of ethics and good practice has to be an evolving code because it's about growth. It can never be landed in stone. And the historical problem is it's cut in stone. It's like the frigging Ten Commandments in stone. And the model of religion, like it or not, it's there within even non-lineage spiritual leaders. There is something about the leader being infallible, like the Catholic Church kind of has that cast in stone. What about our inner wisdom, the autonomy of a student who says, mm, that's a bit off, that's a bit off. And instead of, oh, that's my ego because I'm, I'm, I'm now judging, I'm now criticizing the teacher. No, no, trust, trust it. If you see a red flag, talk to the teacher about it. I said, I don't think this is okay. Why did you say that? And so for a, te- for a student to do this, it means the teacher has to stop sucking up all the power in the room and for the teacher to give back power to the students and respect their own personal power. This needs to happen. We don't know how to do it. We're learning. We have to educate ourselves as spiritual leaders on how to not abuse power, how to know the difference between the power that you naturally have from your role, the responsibility that you naturally have from your role as spiritual leader. But your personal personal power is quite different. And don't be a teacher outside of the satsang hall. Don't. Do your own work. What happens, because we don't know how to use power well, our personal needs bleed into our profession. Because, oh, all is one. All is one. You know, Um, my personality isn't who I am. That's of the world. That's too dense. This This is what colleagues of mine have said. You know, it's too dualistic. I can't. I can't abide by a code of ethics. It's too dualistic. It's like, ooh, okay. You can't do no harm. You can't abide by do no harm. You can't come from a place of compassion, no matter how you're trying to teach, that there will be compassion there, that you will try to meet on the level of humanness. And through no fault of our own as spiritual leaders, we believed the propaganda. We believed it. Personality is insignificant. It's all about abiding in truth, and this isn't real. And everything you say from here, as long as it comes through and you're in the stillness, it's fine. Well, it doesn't actually. It comes through the lens of your personality, which could be very screwed up. And if you're not managing, if you're not aware of and you're not managing your own personal needs, what's going to happen? They'll come into the spiritual gathering and they will be projected onto the students. Yeah. And there we have bad practice. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a cultural shift that we need to change. And my, my approach is what was missing from the historical model that gave rise to these projections, abuse of power, dishonesty? Uh, wh- what gave rise to the teacher saying, there's nobody I can talk to? Because that was the experience of many spiritual leaders all through the era, through, through millennia. 
And so where can we fill those gaps and put in a wholesome, constructive support system for the humanness of the teacher? I'm not questioning the teachings, but how they're transmitted and how the person is managed while there is a a role of spiritual leadership or an abiding in that place. How do you manage your personality? And you can't let that up to, oh, my divine nature knows how to do that. Well, actually, not if there's locked in trauma, not if your subconscious is unknown to your human brain and you're, you don't know the difference between what is a subconscious belief and what is coming from the divine. Because until you have that level of awareness on every aspect of your functioning, you're going to screw up. You're going to. So the first thing is like, I am able to screw up. I learn by screwing up. It's a human fact. We all screw up. And if we think we're beyond it, that's a knowing. That's a red flag. It's a knowing that there is avoidance going on. Something about your humanness is not integrated to the lenses of perception that you have access to. It's very easy to dismiss the humanness. It's very easy to dismiss it, but the price is too high. And there's enough of us who want to do better. There's enough of us who care about giving a better model of spiritual leadership to the generations that come after us. That's one my opening gambit in the ASI. <laughs> I can tell, and I'm sure everybody else can tell, that you're really passionate about this. Yeah, I really care, John. I, I care. So, you know, I, I care about about our ability to do better. And I, I'm excited by the challenge within myself as a human woman. This is full of potential. You know, like downriver, I have a vision of what could happen. It's only in the field of potentiality. Let's see if it comes or not. I'm not attached to it, but I know it's in the field of potentiality. If we learn how to embrace our humanness, if we learn how to be better human beings and to honor the teachings within, take, while we're taking care of our humanness, we will then be in a better position to engage in politics, to engage in proactivity around protecting our planet. Like when you look at the irony of it, none of us actually play in the world. You know, that view of it's too dualistic. It's I want to separate from the world. It's too down and dirty. It's like, uh, what's your obstacle? What's your obstacle to integrating all parts of manifestation? What's your obstacle? That's where we need to look. What would it be like if we had awakened or some element of authentic, integrated wakefulness in politicians, in climate change activists, looking at social justice? Yeah. Could you bring that vibration into every part of life? The potency. Oh. It would change the world in a way. It would change the world. That's right. It would change the world. You know? It would change the world, yeah. But to do it without ownership and cockiness, yeah. which, is, which is what gets moved when you are taking care of your personal needs. Whereas right now, it'll come with ownership and cockiness because the personal needs, we get off on it. we we, we got to improve who we are as people first and integrate that. And then it may be the generation that comes after me, you know, that says, wow, wow, they broke a glass ceiling. It's it, the, the role of spiritual leadership is leadership in the world where, where the topic of the world is influenced by the wisdom from that wakefulness within us. That's where, that's, that's where, I don't know. That's what guides me on. You know, I can see the potential, but it might or might not go there. 
Jack, what like <clears throat> all great uh, inventors usually have a spark an idea. What sparks yeah. this? What spark? Yeah. I love the creativity of the whole thing. Yeah, there's a there's a conference called Sand Science and Non Duality. It happens in California and sometimes in Italy also. Um, and it's annual. Of course, there's a hiatus now with, with COVID. It's online. Um, and scientists and leaders in the non-dual sector come together. And, you know, the idea was that we would listen to each other. But there's not a lot of overlap because we're so starved for meeting our colleagues. We go together and the scientists are meeting together. So we don't really overlap. But it's a, it's a fantastic thing to bring us into the one space. It is. It's a great thing to even do that. It's a great thing. That's right. That's right. It's fantastic. It's fantastic to like, okay, we'll put you together. Let's see what happens. And at that conference, there were three of us, unbeknownst to each other, who addressed the same thing about the absence of ethics and spiritual leadership, unbeknownst to ourselves. Craig Holiday, Rick Archer, who does Buddha at the Gas Pump, and myself. And Craig Holiday is a, is a psychotherapist. And the three of us had different angles on, we need to do something about the abuse of power. We need to do something about cults. We need to do something about the infallibility of spiritual leaders. There's a problem here. And we're, you talked, we were all on the same thing. Let's have lunch together. So we had lunch together, we sat around and an hour later we were like, we need to set up an organization. We need to have members. We need to learn from each other and find out how did we, how did historically we land in this mess and draw in those who want to do better and, and let's keep talking. Let's keep talking. And so for the first year, we talked. We had a meeting every six weeks where we talked. What do we need to do? What's your experience? What's your experience? And for the first time, this forum of sharing trust was cultivated there isn't a lot of trust there's a lot of competitiveness in spirituality i've seen it myself i've been on the receiving end of abuse as well by teachers but yeah yeah you know it happens yeah. i know it happens it yeah. does happen it does happen yeah. a lot and and the you know most students who you know they soak it up and they think it must be me it must be me because yeah, that's the default do. when you're doing yeah. that work and you know like students who've come to the emailed us on the asi it's like can you ask your teacher? Here's the first step. Has you ask your teacher, do they abide by a code of ethics from anywhere? Do they abide by a code of ethics within their own lineage? Or, and, and if they don't, ask them, would they abide by the ASI code of ethics? It's just another code of ethics. And invariably, the teacher has no, no, no willingness to be accountable at all. So look at all the different things. We're slowly but surely opening. It's like, can we drop the competitiveness? Can we create a space of where we can be open and vulnerable and meet in our humanness with our colleagues? What, what would that look like? How can we share? How can we, how can we not be angry at the largely patriarchal model that got us this far? Mm -hmm. But how can we bring in less authoritarianism and more personal autonomy? Yeah. personal responsibility accountability and so it's an evolving it has to be evolving continuously to to respond to the evolution of spiritual leadership so we're doing something that's never happened before it's very exciting it's fun it's all voluntary it's all free it's great and there's an irish woman needing the whole thing <laughs> yes 
<laughs> I love it. Afraid so. I know I have to say that, you know. <laughs> yes, yes, I'll, I'll, I'll endorse that one too. And, and, you know, sooner or later, some external body that doesn't understand spiritual wakefulness will come in with a licensing. It's going to come. Okay, yeah. That would be its ruination. It's about us establishing yeah. what what comes, um, what, what's appropriate, because it comes from our own experience of what, what supports do I need as a spiritual leader to do my work better and to be better, a better contributor to the planet. That has to come from us. So I, I don't want to sit around and wait for some opportunistic legislative structure to tell us what we can and can't do and license it. That'll happen. Yeah. That'll come from the U.S., Lice- they love licensing here in the US, you know. Yeah. And at the moment, you can, you know, you can put up your shingle at your door and say you're a spiritual teacher. Anyone and of course, can. anyone can. And they do, you know, as, as you just said, there, it's, there's an awful lot of young spiritual teachers around. And they're young in terms of they, they actually are not ready to teach at all. They're not ready yeah. to teach. But you see, yeah. there's a thing happens when you, when you hit a good glimpse, when you hit that space of wakefulness. There's a thing happens, and it's in the Bible. Go forth and spread the good news. And it's such good news. It's like, oh, my God, I want to tell everybody this. There's an end to suffering. And it's like, stay stumped, integrated. Stop bleeding this. The energy of wakefulness has dropped in, and you're not able to bring it into your torso, and you want to bleed it out your mouth. There's a physiological, energetic thing because your your halo, your crown chakra opens, it moves in and your third eye opens and that you can, you have access to other dimensions, comes right down the throat, you start talking. It's like, well, that's not a teacher. That's somebody who just decided, I'm too excited by this. I'm compelled to teach. I said, no, you're compelled to avoid going into the down and dirty of your biology, of what's held in your cells of what it does to your personal power in the solar plexus. How does this happen when you look at your heart, where your heart has been broken? When you look at your one-to-one relationships and your need for intimacy and support and sex and your base chakra of like my security in the world. Oh yeah, my secu- I'm a spiritual teacher. I'll have my new identity and that's my security, my position in the world. And it's like, stop teaching, stop teaching. If you're grabbed by the scruff of the neck and against your personal will, you are you are forced to teach. All right. All right. Now, maybe now, maybe that's a teacher. Maybe. But just because you've heard the good news, that is to be integrated. Now start doing the work. I mean, I heard the good news, right? Yes. Years and years ago. And I shared it with a couple of people, maybe, you yeah. know, little things I could. And I helped a couple of people, whatever. And that was yeah. great. But to teach. Yeah. It, it would cross anyone's mind in a way. But it crosses no, your mind. Yeah. I, like you say, there's something else going on. Yes. You know, and I, I love the word integrity. You, you got it. Yeah. Why would you teach someone if you're not able in a way? If you're not and, integrated and, and with your own. Their life, maybe or, or their their path yeah. and your own, maybe. I, I don't know. It just gets completely messy, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And if you're not yeah. integrated with your own story, even if you know it's not you, it's still it's still the vehicle that you work through. What what happens is that you'll teach other your teacher students to bypass their humanness yeah because that's what you're doing you've bought past so you bring them to where you are but Mm -hmm. the price is that all their humanness will be stuffed away and that gives rise to very bad practice and it gives the name of spiritual teaching the solidness that it has right now i've I've seen students and it's no fault i'm not 
taken yeah. down teachers or students. God, yeah. I, I don't know. No, it's, it's just the cultural, most, it's yeah, it's the most happened. wonderful path I've ever yeah. stumbled upon yeah. in, in my life. Mm. I'm, like, I'm eternally grateful for where I am. Yeah. I've actually seen students take on the personality of the teacher. I've been, I watch it. And they become like the teacher and they, yes. they, they talk and I was like, oh God, what's going on? What's happening here? Yes. Like, yes. do you know? That's and right. it's because like you say, you know, the teachers caught up in their personal life, integrating with their teaching life. And then you got the, the student is like trying to get away from their personal life into yeah. another life. Yeah. Spiritual bypassing is the word that comes up for me. Maybe I don't yes. know. That's right. That's right. Yeah. There's an awful lot of spiritual bypassing currently in our culture. An yeah. awful lot of it, yeah. The freedom you spoke about. You spoke about freedom just a while ago. I don't know, you mentioned it in some way, right? And I was like, whoa, Jesus. <laughs> Talk about the freedom of what that's like to be in that space, that exhilarating. Mm. Like, it, some people say it's just dead silence. What is it? Okay, at the, at, at the risk of sounding like I'm bypassing, you can't really describe it because... There aren't words there. It's an inner sanctuary. It's a place to look from that where there's nothing happening. And in the absence of something, there's freedom. It's because there's no thoughts and shoulds and haftas and, and story. It's because no story holds up there. The natural state is freedom. The limitation is in our mind. The natural, authentic, deepest part of us is freedom itself. Freedom itself, that's actually not a bad, not a bad word for it. Freedom itself, rather than something being free. So it's not like I am free, Jack is free. It's like, crap, no, she still has to pay the mortgage. She still like, you know, brushes her teeth twice a day. Like, like humanness still happens. And my attention for a dozen years now hasn't left stillness. Some percentage of my stillness is in freedom itself all the time, all the time. Freedom itself, you know, you know that something everybody could do right now is like, see if you can sense what's looking through your eyes right now, every one of us, what's looking through your eyes. And it's something, it's like a, a felt sense, kind of gets quiet inside. There's, there's no pain there. There's no story there. But there's a felt sense. Now multiply that by a gazillion and let that be there and go deeper and let it be there 24-7 because it is there 24-7. It's just that your attention got too caught up in the world. And freedom for myself is the recognition of freedom itself. And then for the myself part, there was post-integration and integration is ongoing. But when there was enough of it done to make a real shift, the jack mind, the jack body bows down and is in service to whatever moves from that freedom itself zone within me. It's not doing the Jack character. It doesn't know about the Jack character. It's completely story free. It's prior to that. And so the arising of concepts, concept of existence, something can exist. There can, so if something can exist, consciousness starts or awareness starts to look at itself and it can imagine that there are two. The reflection, oh, that is what I am. Now we have two, I can name that, okay? So now we have two. So if we go following that trajectory of creation, of course we have diversity and this is me because it's my body and that's you because it's John's body. So, you know, there's a knowing that 
these uh, labels and colors and shapes and forms and experiences, there is a knowing all of the time, there has been for 12 years, that, that those things aren't the full picture. They're created by concepts that come into form. Uh, nothing is bound by that. I'm, I'm not locked in to any contraction or experience or opinion. I'm not locked into it. That's hugely freeing. It requires that the mind and the body of Jack does not uphold an allegiance to the stories that are created by consciousness and the Jack brain. Their function is to allow experience to happen, to allow this cosmic play to roll out. Freedom itself is what I bow down to. That's my gig. And if if I'm out of alignment with it, I celebrate it because I'm like, yes, I caught a blind spot, I caught a blind spot. Somehow I'm at odds with an inner movement. I can feel it in my body. I can feel it. If I'm off, I'm like, I'm off. There's something here. And it's usually a, a piece of trauma from my childhood that, that you know, I, I, this is like once in two years this happens. That's been the passion for the last four or five. It's like, oh, there's a blind spot. Wow, wow. That's something I heard as a kid. Or I call it trauma because anything that has locked in a perspective is trauma at some po- some place, you know? And because otherwise, why would it be sustained? You know, otherwise it just yeah. passes through and there's no resonance, you know? So it's like, oh my God, there's a belief that I never knew was a belief. I never knew it was a belief. I never saw it before. And so the unlocking of it then is like, oh, wow, I, I got to see something else that I, I, I didn't know was operating in this body-mind mechanism. And my vista gets a bit wider and a bit wider and a bit wider. And I love when that happens because I get to grow. The human part of me gets to be a better version of me. I get to grow and I love growth. It's exciting. It's exciting. You know? We sort of grow by identifying and embracing our our negative aspects of trauma and our our unseen um, identifications as such. Yeah, our human humanness our human evolution is honored and that's the growth i'm talking about because to to dismiss our human evolution is an has no integrity it's not an integrated um position for any spiritual leader and that's what happened with the leader and the student yeah there we go there we go and i love the way you said your reference point is devotion um you know there's this yes god what was that service but you were always great at service, Jack. You were always into the service thing, though. And even in India, you, I was. You always had that, like. I did. I did. And and you know, I had to go through a phase of like, all right, are you getting juice out of service? Is this a habit? Is this conditioning? Does this make you good? Does this make you holy? Okay, Jack, what's here? What's here? And I often used to use things like that. You know, it's like, okay, that's part of your personality, and you place a high value on it. All right, let's drop it. See who you are without it. See what what could be hiding underneath that. At that stage, all I was doing was the spiritual path. So I gave myself a chunk of time. I'm like, all right, here's my next project. If it lasts me the rest of my life or it lasts me two weeks till I break through, I don't care. I'm all for it. Service. Who am I without it? Let's drop the value. Let's actually flip it around so that when you see somebody in service, you go, oh, that's a bit stupid. Like allow selfishness, what I imagined would be selfishness or lack of care. Allow, Give that a microphone and see if you've got a pocket of that going in. Is that why you're serving? Because you don't want to be like that person. So I would check every nuance. 
And so I deliberately went to an ashram that services the gig. It was Amma's you know, in, in Kerala, in Southwest India. And the deal is there, you, you go and the contract is you sign up for service and you do your service and service is part of it. You're on the contract, really. <laughs> Pardon? You're on the contract, like. Oh, yeah, you are. That's the deal. Okay. You have to. You're obliged to do, to do it. That's that's yeah, why you okay. go. You, service is the gig. You, you can't come otherwise. And I was like, no, I'm going to have to actually push against this rule. I'm going to have to be in a place of where the energy of service so full of love and healing and transformation. And I am going to watch the obstacle within myself and swim upstream here and say, no, repeatedly, like 10 times a day, you're not doing service. You're, you're, you're not doing your service. You might, you'll have to leave if you can't do service. Like you, you, what's going on? I am learning by not doing service. And it's okay if you don't understand. No, I didn't say that cocky-ish, but I was like, I need to not do service. I need to not do service. And I let you know if, if I can do service, but I need to not do service. And I wouldn't let myself explain and, oh, give me a free pass. I was like, don't go there, Jack. Don't go there. Be the obstacle. Face the conflict. Face the judgment. Face it. Face it. And, of course, it broke. And the type of sir, it broke. I don't know how long I was in that phase of purifying my motivation to serve. But what broke through was service from a very different place. Service that was more attuned to, mm, more attuned to an inner movement rather than reactive to the request. Especially when you're reared on a, a dairy farm in Ireland. If you see work to be done, you just do it. Oh, yeah. you're, you're trained to like, just do it. Like mm. if there's an animal who breaks out, you, you just go and put the animal back in. Like, that's it. And you reclose the gate. You just do it. You, you respond. And you have to do that when you're caring for children and when you're caring for animals. When you're in that position, you, you are wired to put the needs of others before yourself. And then that had bled in to me not looking after me. I'm like, oh, my God, I've got no monitoring. So then I can be completely exhausted because I've given too much. And then what happens? I'm not honoring this woman. So now my need then for self-care gets projected into the next job. Or I might expect them to be have gratitude. Or I might be a pure victim because like, no, I'm doing the right thing. I'm completely exhausted, but I'm in service and I get brownie points from God. It's like, what kind of bullshit are you running here, girl? What kind of bullshit? You see, and all this stuff was unconscious. So unpacking my own patterning around it gave rise to like, I've got to take care of this Jack woman. I've got to take care of her so that my service is pure. It's unconditional. It is not in any way contaminated by the absence of me able to take care of me. I'll take care of you at the price to myself. That's no good. So purification happened. And now I, I hope I'm serving from that place. And every now and then it's like, shoot, I bit off more than I could chew. All right, Jack, you're going to have to like... Put aside Saturday morning, like really push it aside, cancel that event, cancel that whatever it is, take time out, take care of yourself so that what you give comes from the heart, pure, purely from the heart, you know? Authenticity kind of springs oh. to mind, yeah. Oh, you've got to leave no stone unturned within yourself. Brutal self-honesty. That's a great tool. Integrity, it's a big word. Yeah. It is, yeah. And it's ongoing. You know, it has to be alive. It's alive integrity. It's only in the present moment. It's, 
you know, there's certain values that are created by our culture, by our families, by our race, by our ethnicity, by our, you know, traumas, by our story. And then there's certain values that come that that come into presence and that want to show up in the world, but we think our human values actually should supersede them because we've got more allegiance to that rather than what comes through. Yeah. Now, that can be dangerous in the hands of somebody who, who doesn't have integrity or brutal self-honesty because, you know, you'd be like, oh, no, it comes from the deeper place. And it's like, yeah, but it shouldn't stink. Really, it shouldn't stink. And it stinks, you know. So, yeah. so like, integrity comes from that deeper place. Compassion comes from that deeper place. Do no harm comes from that deeper place. Accountability, honesty, they come from that deeper place. Willingness, vulnerability, they come from that deeper place. It's where the rubber hits the road, Jack. Yeah, yeah. And these are the qualities that spiritual leaders, you know, it's like, hey, guys, we're, where we're missing them, we can feel the absence. So let's not deny the absence and cultivate what we need to cultivate within ourselves as people. The devotional part, would you say you were, I, I, I'm not, 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 I don't know if I'm correct in this, but I thought you were more a devotional person, but now I'm not so sure. I don't know. That's why I'm asking you maybe. Yeah, there, there, there was a phase of devotion and there was a phase then of nana, of, of self-inquiry, of, you know, using the mind to obliterate the mind, to see deeper than the mind. And that, that really works for a while, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, uh so so you know i i i don't have allegiance to any one thing i suppose ramana maharshi if there was a lineage it's like well actually yeah i mean the big shifts happened with two spiritual teachers sure does that mean i'm part of a lineage i kind of don't have an allegiance to anything i have an allegiance to to what i know to be true within me i'm more interested in my direct experience rather than what i get from a book you know, that's the way I'm wired. And so I had to bow down in devotion. I had to. It's like, there's pride here. There's pride here. I need to, I need to, I need to bow down. I need to bow down. And so I cultivated devotion. And oh, it opens the heart. Gosh, it opens the heart. You know, it's a, it's a beautiful path. So I can come in and out of that actually still, you know. I could be like washing the kitchen floor and I put them up to the side. And I just feel like bowing down to to that which is freedom itself. I, I just like, oh God, there's awe, there's wonder, there's just, it's like words fail me now talking about it and, and words stop because there is the magnificence of, of, of what is, you know, and what is, is underpinning all of these stories and labels and constructs and human life and, and and sometimes it just oh, it just bursts through in the devotional sense, and devotion happens through this body. So that happens, but also the attitude of my mind and my body is one of devotion to freedom itself. It's one of devotion, a service and devotion. There's a humility that I think is necessary in the spiritual path that we all have to cultivate. Because there's humility in the absence of the personal eye, unless we get off on our spiritual wakefulness, unless we like we enjoy the power of that. And that's a whole other minefield of 
as you say, there'll, there'll be a there'll be a, an order of it. Yes, yes, and for people to trust that order, people yeah. to trust it. Now, at the same time, I've had plenty of students who were like, "That's off, Jack. That's off. That's off." And and it is their stuff, and it's like, okay, thank you. I'll have a look at that because I invite this kind of feedback. I'll have a look at that, and 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 I will always take it away. You know, and it's like. No, that's not my issue. That's but I will always go in and check and see, and very often no, it's it's I, I'm I'm the teaching somehow is 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 touching a student's trauma and they've got to push it back at me because they're not ready, and and I'll honor that too. Sometimes it's that you know what's important is that the student feels that they can say what their experience is because we must be willing to meet on the level of humanness as well as the level of beingness and the realm of freedom itself, you know, depending on where the teachings go. I was talking to a, a colleague of mine, a female teacher, two weeks ago. Jack, I, I don't know what you're teaching. Like, I, I meet people at the level of beingness. That's where I meet them. I'm like, okay, so what about their humanness? The beingness is what wake, wake, waking up is about. Okay. And couldn't get her to see that what what if you know you're you're encouraging the students to hide a whole load of pain and put it lock it away, what's going to happen? Because what'll happen is that the students' wakefulness will eventually their stuff will come up and look for air because the human evolution is going to happen anyway. It's going to burst through. Mm-hmm. It's going to burst through. And it's beautiful when I when I meet teachers who say, I was teaching for two years. Man, I just started drinking. Or man, I'm so friggin' angry. I, I I feel like a fraud. I feel like a fraud up there. I said, Well, stop teaching. But I, I don't know how to do anything else. But retrain. Get a job. Just get a job. Like start someplace else and, and be honest about it and stop teaching. You know, like, hello, stop teaching. But the attachment to the role and the fear of digging up our stuff, the mm. fear is huge for teacher and student alike. If there's stuff buried away for a long time, oh, bow down to it. Celebrate it. It's like, yes, I get to grow. I get to grow. I get to integrate and pull in what was pocketed away in a closet. I get to open the closet and bring it right in and see what's going on for me. You know, so. After awakening, I hate using that word awakening because it's like there's finality to it. Yeah. Recognition is a nicer maybe way of after recognition, those buttons, uh, trauma buttons, maybe I'll call them. And we've all, I don't think there's a person on the planet that hasn't been traumatized. I mean, coming into the world is traumatic in itself. Those trauma buttons, Jack, after recognition, why are they so tricky to see after someone has had recognition of their true nature. I mean, there's a bit of a, a bit of a moot point yeah. there. Like. That's a really good point, John. That's a really good point. I think there's two things at play. One is that they disappear for a while because the new lens of perception has to stabilize. And so recognition is unfolding and the recognition is causing your lens of perception to see the world and interpret the world in a very different way. And you interpret it in a non-dual way or you interpret it as a unified field or you interpret it that everything is of love or everything is of of energy. And what is the same is much more prevalent than what is different because we've moved from the difference creating lens of perception to the unified field, you see, to where 
you recognize that the same one beingness is behind all of whatever shows up. So that takes a while to stabilize within us. It's a phase. It's not the end game. It's a phase. And there's much deeper than that. People start teaching too young. Then as the trauma starts coming up, you will find a library of spiritual books that will give you phrases to spiritually bypass the trauma when it comes up and to explain it away as though it's insignificant. Wow. Yeah. It's not real. Don't be distracted by anything that your mind presents. Emotions is just a reactivity. Let it pass through and don't pay any heed to it. Remember the truth of your being. Not this, not this, nitty, nitty. Not this, not this. Push it away, push it away. And very often, like, yes, I'm observing it, but it's not what I am, you know? Or don't get caught in Maya and how the personality is playing out. That's only a method to communicate the deeper truth that's here. It's like, hold on, you're responsible for every word you say. You're responsible for every methodology that you use to impart the teachings. And if it's coming through your trauma body, because your trauma body has no other way to stretch if it comes through in the only opening that's there, which is through your teaching, it will come through, you know? So like teachers go home and they hang out with their family. They go through the phase of trying to tell everybody about the truth. And then they discovered, actually, this isn't where I'm a teacher at all. This is where I'm a sibling, a son or a daughter or whatever I am, parent, sibling. It's like, all right, actually, this is the role of me being part of the family. Lo and behold, the triggers will happen. What does a spiritual bypasser do? They don't understand it. My vibration is higher. Mm. They're not where I am. Their lens of perception, they don't understand me. So this is all projection. Okay? You can use all of those phrases to bypass. And maybe a percentage of it is true. But don't grab those things as your first explanation. Find out where the work is. Find out what is this interaction teaching me about my own blind spots. If you think you've no blind spots, that's the blind spot. We all have blind spots. Otherwise, our humanness stops evolving. And as long as your body is moving, your humanness is called to evolve. It's, it's what it does. Try stop the cycle of nature. We're a product of nature. We're part of the ecosystem, even though we think we like, we, we're better than it and we can conquer it. Here we are. Like There's another example of actually we're a little bit superior. You know, No, we're not. We're actually part of the ecosystem. And we're part of a family unit and no better, no, no worse than anybody else. So wherever the triggers are there, work with them. Work with them, work with them. At the end of the day, it's about you. And it's an opportunity for you to see your blind spots and embrace it. So allow humility to be cultivated. Get a support system. If you don't know how to do the work, get a support system. I'm not impartial to hiring a psychotherapist. like, And I have done a couple of times since my awakening, gone to a psychotherapist, like, I can't figure this out. I can't, I can't figure this out. I, I've got a blind spot here. Talk me through. Mm. Makes me a better teacher. And it frees you up. It must, it must give you a lot of freedom as well. Yeah. yeah. Because, because the freedom, I know the smell between, between when my mind is in service to, to, to that, which is moving all of it. And this, the smell part is when there is an obstacle or a belief system that is like diverting what is coming from my true nature. It's, my mind is just upscaling it or has a preference and will send it off, veer it off in a direction 
because the mind's agenda wants to be influential. So my gig is like, let me use common sense and let common sense support the grounding and the dualistic um, part of how freedom itself moves through this form. And so how I show up in the world, my common sense, my wisdom as a, as a woman, like if I don't know about something, I'm going to read about it or I'm going to learn it. I'm going to do a course. I love doing training courses. Actually, I'm starting another training course today and I'm, I'm the participant. I'm the participant. Is the teacher awake? I don't give a rattling hoot if the teacher is awake, but she has an element of expertise that I don't yet have. And I want to learn from her. So this ongoing growth, this ongoing learning, teachers don't do that, you know, they don't do that. No. You see, and because it's not licensed, we have no, you know, continuing education units. We've none of that. I don't want that. I don't want that. I want us to be so awake that, that we can hear where our humanness isn't up to par in, in terms of how we need to upskill and be more informed about how we show up in the world as people and as messengers of truth. You see? And straight away, teachers, are good. I feel the word is coming that you'll be more approachable. Besides, yeah, big, you know, even when a teacher is, is sitting on a big pedestal, it sets up a division. You've got all these weird things going on. Um, yeah. Try a footstool instead of a pedestal. When you're sitting in front of the room, sit on a footstool. Interesting. Isn't it really? Yeah. 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 It is interesting. Yeah. See how that feels. I, I'm still going back to the devotion thing. Maybe it's my own thing. Yeah. I'm, I'm sort of in that area at the minute. Yeah. I love sitting down in my own space. And and mm. and, and I, I wasn't like that before when all this kicked mm. off in Galway and stuff. And I was more like taken out by the route. Mm. But there's there, there's a beautiful something about the devotional thing. I love that that, yes. that you refer to that all yes. the time. Yes, it's 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 beautiful is a great word for it. It's like it's there is beauty within it. It's kind of like poetry or art or Yeah. Yeah. It's intimate. Yeah. What a space. Intimacy. Yeah. Intimacy. In intimacy and is born there, cultivated there. Yeah. Yeah, into me I see exactly. Yeah. That's right. You really can't go wrong, can you, when you're operating from that space, to be to be fair? Well, 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 you can if you're getting off on it. You can if you have a pattern or karma that, or conditioning that says you're a martyr and you're submissive and you're, you know, if you don't know what authentic humility is, yeah, you'll go wrong. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. There's, there's pitfalls everywhere. And that's the growth opportunity. It's like, you know, celebrating our blind spots is really important. It's like, oh, good, there's a pitfall. Like, if we're willing and open to, to see our blind spots, the entire landscape changes. Whereas if we think, ah, with this path, yeah, I can't go wrong. It's like, well, that's going to lead somewhere, and that'll bite you in the ass. You know, I'm just picking your example now. I'm not saying this is you, John. I'm just picking the phrase that's you used right. a minute ago. You know, like... You'll go wrong everywhere or else you're not growing. Yeah. Like and celebrate there's golden, it. There's gold in them hills. <laughs> there's gold yes. in that negativity. Like, there yeah. you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. It's like welcome it. Mm. And like 
if if we're very traumatized, we'll criticize ourselves for screwing up. And that's why personal development actually is really important as a as a, a starter. You know, whether it's through AA meetings or whether it's through psychotherapy, exactly. There's a variety of ways that you can go to workshops around healing or family constellations. I mean, there's so much stuff. Do all that stuff. Do a load of it till you reach the point of like, yeah, actually, I, I love I, I love finding something I can work on because I feel I feel that the opening and more integration, like the parts of me that were frozen, I can get to love them and integrate them. And I get to break some patterns that were causing me to contract. So at that point, it begins to shift that you start loving finding the blind spots. All right. Now we're moving towards integrity. Now you're getting to see that integrity can motivate you and the cultivation and ongoing integrity. Uh, is, is aligned with how the planet works, with how nature works, with how your human form works. And it's about honoring this part, you know? Yeah. There's an integrity in nature, isn't there? Like, I never thought of it that way. Yeah, the seasons and come and go. And yeah, there's an order. I know we don't like the word order on duality. Yeah. yeah. I'm excited to see where you go with it, Jack. And I, I'm, I'm sure it's going to work out as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's badly needed. From my own experience, I, I do think we've talked a lot, a lot about the ASI, and that's fine. Um, yeah, and, because uh, it's kind of integrated with 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 the teaching culture. You know, it's about what's going on culturally, and I'm very appreciative that you're, you know, that you brought me there, John, because because it's for students as well as teachers and leaders. Mm -hmm. It's like, hey, there's there there's a change coming in this. Like, how do I see it? Am I part of the old model? Can I catch up and be part of a better model that that is part of this change that's happening globally in our structures, you know, to have more equality and more compassion and more love and for all humanity? Can, can we move into that direction? And what does that look like in my relationship with my spiritual path? Yeah. So it's there's nobody that this doesn't apply to. If we're talking spirituality, this applies to everybody, teacher and student alike. You know, it's the context within the within which the teaching happens. And the context is teaching stuff, whether it's conscious or not, it's teaching material. And most of it, for most many teachers, it's unconscious. And that's the problem. You know? And one of my questions for you was, um, we're nearly reaching the end of it, was, how do you just how do you use discernment when it comes to a teacher? But I think you've said it there in what you've said. Mm. And an, another person I was talking to said, actually, there's a big change happening in the world. The teachings are nearly widespread because a, a lot of the churches are crumbling. You know, mm. the Catholic Church has taken a massive hit, mm -hmm. um, and their structures falling. I would think mm -hmm. you know, and you know, all these different religions are are up against it politically, and they're getting involved politically. So there's a lot of stuff going down as such so there's something really needed with the change isn't there support to change like, yeah that's right and it's interesting because um uh last weekend was last weekend on the news i saw a piece about the vatican where they they're starting to acknowledge sexual abuse uh within their own uh sector now now they didn't they could have gone a little bit further Mm -hmm. But it's like, oh my God, it's spoken about, and they're they're putting steps in action 
putting steps in place in order to take action and not be passive and let's put it under the under the mat. So even the Catholic Church is making changes and shifting the dial a little bit around ethics and good practice. It's like, yeah, uh, if the Catholic Church is doing it, what the heck is, what, why aren't we doing it? Why aren't more of us doing it? Yeah. You know? So, so th this social change, this wave is catching all of us. So, you know, let's not have somebody tell us what to do, but, but to, but to be directed from what our own experience is and be informed by what, what others might see as our blind spot. So it's about communication where both teacher and student come together in a, in a, in a, a clear way about encouraging teachers to use feedback forms, to get feedback from their students, to ask the students, do, do, you, do you feel that, that the teacher and the teachings are in integrity? Ask the student, ask the student, what do they think of that? Get their opinion, you know? Yeah, it's, it's got to go that way, I think, you know, for it to survive, for yeah. it to be more authentic. Yeah. Yeah, it's got to go that way, you know. Whether Jack. the ASI is, you know, going to make an impact or not, it's, it's, the, way I'm, it's the way I'm drawn to do it anyway. And, and It's what's happening there for you, and it's important to you, like, yeah. Yeah, it's important to me, it is, yeah. yeah. It is, yeah. And can I run the, the, the website again? It's spiritualintegrity.org. And I have, we didn't say much about your new book, How to Be a Spiritual Rebel. That's just fine. People will get an, a taste of me anyway from this, you know. Get they will, of course. That kind of like push against your conditioning, push against yeah. your conditioning. That's what How to Be a Spiritual Rebel is about. It's not rebelling against this, that, or the other. And you can do that, but actually the transformation is within. Noticing your own do's and don'ts, your own, do you should yourself like, well, stop shooting yourself and go against the shooting. That kind of stuff. Jack, I could talk all night. Yeah, um, I know, I know. Yeah. It's it, it it it's kind of an Irish trait that we're we're well able to talk to, which is great. Yeah, <laughs> it is great, and it's great to see you. And thanks so much for coming on. Not at all. Thank you for the invite. It was a pleasure to like. Oh my God, John Lynch! I totally remember him. So it was lovely to cross paths with you again. Jack O'Keefe, thanks so much. Thank you so much, John. Thank you so much. Take care. Yep. Catch you down river. Bye bye. Thank you for joining us on our podcast and we very much hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please subscribe for more on your chosen platform. And also, if you'd like to keep in contact, please hit us up on social media. So folks, until next time, please take care and we hope you join us soon.